This is the Clinical Takeaway podcast from HealthEd, where we interview leading medical experts on important topics that can positively change the way you practice. Here's your host, GP and medical educator, Dr. David Lim. As GPs, we know that it is essential that the questions and issues a patient may face after a cardiac event or surgery must be addressed and personalized. But do we really have the time to do these things well? Ensuring our patients are referred to a cardiac rehab provider is a hugely important part of that patient's ongoing care. The question is no longer who will benefit, but is who won't. In today's podcast, I will be speaking to Anne Kirkness. Anne, tell us about yourself. So my name's Anne. I'm actually a clinical nurse consultant in cardiac rehabilitation at Royal North Shore Hospital. I've been working in this area for oh, over, over 20 years. Prior to that, my background was cardiology, coronary care unit. So I've got a long history of sort of involvement in cardiology. I've been involved in quite a bit of research based really around cardiac rehab and, and the sort of work we do. So looking at risk factors, looking at weight management, various areas of research. And I also run a, an ICD support group. So people with implantable cardioverted defibrillators, we run a special group for, for that population as well. So yeah, my expertise and interest is very definitely cardiac rehabilitation, lifestyle modification, and, and helping people to self-manage essentially. Today, we are going to focus on cardiac rehab. And just for the sake of all our listeners, and starting off on the same base, what really is cardiac rehab and why is it important? Yeah, so cardiac rehab is all about, it's basically education, exercise and support program. Its aim is to support people when they leave hospital following either a recent cardiac event, heart surgery, there's no kind of exclusion criteria if people have risk factors and they want to try and improve their lifestyle then they are always eligible to come along our aim is to give people the information so they can make good lifestyle choices and good decisions about their cardiac health and exercise is all about giving them some skills to sort of learn what sort of exercise is important. We find out about their goals and what they would like to get back to, but also giving them the skills and making them aware of, of what sort of exercise they should be doing moving forward. A lot of people, as you know, aren't doing enough exercise. The stats show that probably less than 60% are actually achieving the, the guidelines from the Heart Foundation in terms of what we should be doing every week. But the other really important part of cardiac rehab is support. Um, patients come out of hospital. They've probably got lots of questions. They get support from each other, so peer support. And that, I think, is vital. It helps to normalise what they're going through and, and just gives them the skills to kind of move forward and, and just get on with a good life and, and enjoy themselves. You're painting an incredibly large picture for cardiac rehab, and you're really saying that patients without a prior cardiac event or surgery, but deemed high risk, are actually yeah. the program would benefit, as well as everyone who's had a cardiac event or surgery. So my question is, what sorts of benefits do you see, especially for those who have had, a, say, an infarct or cardiac surgery? 
So I think um, obviously the benefits they receive are actually rebuilding their confidence. I think for a lot of people, this is an event that's come out of left field. They weren't expecting it. Some people are young, some people are older, but it doesn't really matter. It's still a bit of a shock to the system. And I think that the huge benefits they get are, are understanding what's happened. And hopefully we kind of sort of uh, take away some of the fear factor and make them realise that the, there is very definitely life after either a heart attack or surgery and that there's a lot they can do to prevent further problems. And I often say to people, you're actually almost better off than the person on the street who doesn't think they've got a problem um, because you're now working on any specific risk factors you're eating healthily you're you're getting active and people often say they actually feel much better than they felt for years and I think the other important thing is they suddenly realize the importance of prioritizing their health. A lot of us would understand rehab as pretty much just giving them an exercise program sitting on a bike and making sure they can do a certain amount of uh, distance per five minutes but what you're really talking about is, David, that's only one measure of human function. And what yeah. you're really trying to do is to put the person back into their previous lives, but more, uh, you're actually going to help them look at what caused the problem in the first place and how to look after themselves from here on in. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, David. I think uh, also they go home on, on quite a few medication. And historically, people don't like taking tablets, but maybe if they understand why they've got to take them. And we, we talk about, you know, you have uh, somebody may have come in and had an intervention, but then we need to take a systemic approach. And part of that is medication. And the other part is lifestyle. And they have a huge role to play in that. And I think that a lot of people, as we mentioned, don't really know how to exercise. They may perhaps go for a walk, but the importance also of strength training in terms of your, not only your cardiovascular health, but also, you know, your mental health, your um, preventing falls, you know, also I think ameliorating sort of depression, anxiety, and that sort of thing. And it's an environment where it's interesting because when you when we talk about cardiac rehab, people often have this impression it's only for older people. And I think even some doctors think, oh, it's going to be full of older people. But we actually have a class at the moment which is specifically for younger people, and the youngest one is 21. And they all have the same fears, you know, this has happened. You know, what are we going to do? What, what can I get back to? What can I do? Uh, and it's it's I think there's that question as well. You know, what is it safe to do? And just by being in a group of seven or eight people, they help each other because they're all at different stages. And I often say, you know, part of the one of the huge benefits is actually talking to other people. You know, we we haven't been there. And I'm sure as a as a doctor, you find the same thing. You know, we oftentimes we're talking from a health professional perspective, but we haven't actually been there in that situation ourselves. And so on many levels, you're really saying that there are two particularly important levels. For me, it is a really important transition between a patient's acute event, leaving a tertiary health institution and wanting to fit back into society. And certainly for us GPs, we are really busy these days. I mean, we're really swamped. And it yeah. just looks like there's so many issues to address and teach but we don't even fully understand all of them. So it's just fantastic that there is a situation where people like yourselves with lots of experience 
can understand and teach them. And then they can also learn to, if you like, normalize what they're going through Absolutely. with the peers around them. So this is just a beautiful transition uh, between tertiary care and primary care. Yeah, it is. And that's why, in a way, it's, it's such a wasted resource that more people don't attend because we know from the stats that probably only 30% of eligible people actually attend cardiac rehab. And given that the you know there are the, all the uh, all the sort of research says that there, there's benefits in terms of reducing readmissions, uh, reducing mortality, uh, and so it's actually it's a huge cost saving benefit for the health system as well. Mm-hmm. You know, aside from all, but I think you know people these days they come into hospital and I often say it's a bit like a drive through. You pick up your stent and you keep going, and so within forty eight hours they're out of hospital. And they suddenly think, and now, what do I do now? And you haven't had time to talk to them about, you know, what they, and, and in any case, you don't want to overload them in hospital. Whereas if we can just get them in for that initial assessment, and that's what we aim to do um, here is actually bring them in, say, just come and see us for an initial assessment. We'll talk about where you're at. We can answer your questions and then you can decide what you would like to do. And if we can just get them over the threshold, often they will then say, okay, well, I'll try one. I'll, I'll come to one class and see how it goes. And and then, and then you know, we've kind of, we've got them hooked because they suddenly see the huge benefits. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as I say, I think especially young people, they sort of feel maybe it's not for me. Maybe I'm going to be surrounded by sort of older mm-hmm. people. But the older people also have so much uh, life experience to offer people as well, you know. So it's um, it's kind of a really economical way of giving people an intervention, helping them to self-manage and um, helping them to move forward. Because, of course, as you know, it's it's not something that's going to go away. It's a, it, it's a, I hate to use that word chronic, but it's it's a chronic disease and it needs to be managed. And if it's managed well, then the outcomes are really good. Now, 30% is a very low figure. And I'm just going to ask whether or not this includes patients with heart failure and say things like cardiomyopathy and myocarditis or just uh, infarcts in surgery. No, it includes any any eligible patient and certainly heart failure would come in that eligibility criteria. I would say that myocarditis hasn't hit the... Um, certainly we've had patients with myocarditis, but they haven't sort of been included in the uh, eligibility criteria at this point, simply because it, it wasn't really a big feature. But since COVID, we've certainly had young people coming in and wanting advice about exercise and, and what they can do and, 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 you know, sort of getting back to returning to their sort of normal life. But it's, you know, the criteria is very wide. People with atrial fibrillation, pacemakers, heart attacks. Yeah. So it, it includes everybody who potentially would be eligible for um, cardiac rehab. So it's not just Australia. It's the UK, Canada. It's it's globally And I think one of the things that we know from the research is that if the doctor says go to cardiac rehab, then patients will go. Or even if somebody talks to them about it and sows a seed, um, but doctors seem to have a, they have a lot of influence. You know, patients obviously have a lot of respect. And if the doctor says I must go, then that's what I do, you know. So I think that's um that would be something that we it needs to we need to kind of get out there a bit more often and promote. 
The question is about um, demand and supply. It looks like the demand can be huge because yeah. there are a lot of people who are not referred. So how can, if you like, uh, supply meet demand? Well, that's actually a very good point, and you're quite right. If if we if everybody who was eligible came, then we might have <laughs> things would be would be very challenging. The only thing that's probably and and I think with the advent of COVID, we can offer more options. So we can offer telehealth. We actually at the moment are only offering online education because the hospitals don't, obviously don't want to bring people in, and that actually works really well. We prefer if patients want specific about advice about exercise to actually bring them in so we can you know do some functional uh, assessments six minute walk tests and um, strength tests etc so that would be our ideal but you know not everybody wants a six-week program so I think we would have to uh, suppose just yeah I mean that would be a challenge if everybody I don't think it's going to happen David unfortunately but if suddenly overnight people started more people started coming to cardiac rehab that's um, you know but it, it, it's such a pity that there's not more funding for these areas because it, it's I mean I think they estimated the cost of a cardiac rehab intervention, so attending the program, is around about $850 to $900. So it's, you know, it's a group program. It's actually, it, it's good bang for your buck in a lot of ways. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's certainly, I think if if everybody who wanted to come or everybody was referred and they came, then that would open up another um, challenge for us. Um, and we didn't really quite touch on, if you like, the reductions in uh, rehospitalizations and redo surgeries. Um, do we save a lot of money? Well, they they say that up to thirty percent of readmissions or admissions for heart attacks, up to thirty percent of those admissions are actually readmissions. Mm -hmm. and often occur within the first 30 days. And I think what that tells you is people go home and they get a few twinges and they, they feel really anxious. And, and understandably, we're always saying to them, if you get further anginal symptoms, then you need to present to emergency or contact your doctor. Um, so I think there are quite a few sort of, the, the, I mean, it's a high number, 30% readmissions. And I think that certainly the, the, the data says that if we could actually increase attendance at cardiac rehab to up to 65%, then we would reduce those readmissions because we always aim to get people in as soon as possible after they've gone home. So we tell them to contact us to make an appointment. We do actually ask them for a referral from the GP. I think you uh, mentioned that. So they, because that way the GP is part of the equation. So they go to their GP and they bring the referral in. And then we will always keep in touch with the GP if we've got any concerns. And then at the end of the program, the GP would receive a summary of all their observations and the, the, the various tests that we've done in terms of exercise, et cetera, at the end of the program. So that, that automatically goes out. It just occurred to me how important it is uh, knowing you have both the telehealth, the online assessments and the face-to-face. -face. Uh, and, and there's so much that you do that to actually talk to 
each patient about yeah. what can be, uh, if you like, the benefits they can derive, yeah. it'll take a lot of time. So do you have some sort of a printed resource where we actually give the patient says, you've got to read this and they can choose whichever program. And when we see them again shortly, we will do the referral. So it's sort of like a bit of homework for the patient. Uh, yeah. do, uh, do such resource exist? Yeah, so we do have a booklet that we give them when they come into hospital, depending on whether they're surgery or they've had a stent or a heart attack without a stent. So we give them some information and that also has in there information about cardiac rehab. It also has links to various resources. So a, a link to or sort of affiliated with Ronald Shaw Hospital of Heart Research Australia. And they've got some excellent resources that um, patients can and videos, which is always nice. They hear patient stories and they're also they can be a support when they go home. But yet certainly we give them basic information, which includes information, just preliminary information. There is some information about diet as well in there and medications that they might be on. But it is, I think, a little bit overwhelming. So we always try and encourage them to attend the online education. And that's actually been quite, that's been a really good sort of, I suppose, in a way, innovation, because patients can, even if they're at work, they can jump in online. And, and then we've got sort of five detailed education sessions that cover things like what is heart disease, diet, drugs, um, exercise, how to exercise safely, and also managing stress. So there's five different education sessions that they can tap into and they run throughout the year, it just keeps rolling. So, um, and because you're quite right, you know, there's a lot of information. And I, I think to, if you give people too much information, it just goes in one ear and, and, and out the other. So I think that's why it needs to be a rather than just getting it all in one go. And I think a lot of patients who come in for that first appointment, if they can't come to the exercise, they will at least attend the education, which is, you know, knowledge is power. So if they get the information, and we can also refer them to private exercise physiologist or, you know, if they've got, well, obviously you get a care plan, you can through Medicare, but if they've got private cover as well, they can. So there's different options. Not everybody has to come to us it's it's what's going to work for them for gps in regional and rural centers what sort of access do they have for their patients so most of the regional or the more rural areas that there, there are cardiac rehab programs throughout australia obviously some of the more rural areas they they have to be sort of a jack of all trades but so they will often combine pulmonary and cardiac rehab but they they always have a contact. So if we see patients in, uh, say, here who come from um, Tamworth or Armadale or even further, more remote, we will always give them a contact number and various resources and links to websites that might be helpful for them as well. You know, there's there's almost too much information out there. And I, I feel for GPs because it's, um you know, to try and sort of work out what's the right thing it's it gets but we always do link them in and refer them to their closest rehab center what are the costs involved so cardiac rehab in the public sector is is completely free it's covered by medicare so there is no cost they just need a referral from their gp and that's all that's required if you choose to go to a private hospital then there are costs. Sometimes you'll find that private funds will reimburse, 
and usually the private hospital will work um, work that out for you. But yeah, in the public sector and everybody, whether you're a private or a public patient is eligible. So we might have patients refer to us and they had their stents in the private sector. They are all welcome. Nobody is, you know, is, is refused entry as it were. That is such a wonderful thing to know. Now, what then are your key messages to GPs? refer to cardiac rehab I think look I think specifically you know we have heart failure patients as well who come I think it's really good to give patients the skills and obviously as you say you're so busy that if you think a patient will benefit from cardiac rehab then let them contact us and we can talk to them find out what they want to do if if they're suitable, you know, as I say, with the initial sort of introduction is always an assessment with an exercise physiologist and a cardiac nurse, and we can give them a home program. So if you think there's somebody who perhaps has fallen through the cracks, even if it's six months down the track, it's really, and I think just by reinforcing the benefits and encouraging patients to actually realize the huge benefits of exercise, I often say if we could benefit the the, all those benefits of exercise put it all into one tablet and give it to them we'd have such a winning combination Mm -hmm. the challenge with exercise is people have to do it and that's uh and it's it's not just for six weeks it's something that they've got to do for the rest of their lives and in that regard and i believe you will be giving them advice regarding uh suitable exercises that the patient may enjoy Absolutely. So when they've completed the program with us, we do a, a final assessment. And that the, the, the sort of goal of that is to say where to from here. And we can refer them to um, various community exercises, healthy lifestyle. There's, there's so much out there. So because we've now got to know the patient, we've got a sense of, of what would work for them. And just getting that message over that you're never too old to exercise And the importance, if you're younger, of not allowing, you know, I often talk about the disease of busyness, which gets in the way of healthy eating and and exercise, because as soon as you get busy or you have too much on, then the the things that go out of the window are are healthy lifestyle choices. You know, you don't go and exercise because you've got a, a meeting to go to, whatever. So I think it's just really important to reinforce that, Well, whereas medical science can do a a huge amount, the other sort of really important point is lifestyle. And, you know, for the most part, heart disease is a lifestyle disease, not always, but a large part is is related to sort of years. You know, I always say to patients, it's buy now, pay later. So, you know, all those risk factors that you've kind of been, you know, sort of exposed to over the years, then, you know, it's kind of eventually it probably is going to catch up with you. Yeah. So I think my key message is if you think you've got a patient who would benefit even from the social interaction, then get them to give us a call and we can talk them through what's available and what might work for them. And it doesn't have to be complicated. And if we think that they will be better off going somewhere locally, that, that's also, you know, we, we're very happy to refer them on. And after listening to you, the question we're really going to have to ask ourselves is, why shouldn't we? It just seems as if everyone with a high risk uh, background or have had an event will benefit. So uh, the question really is not whether or not they will benefit, but why not? 
Exactly. And I think the older you get, the harder we have to work at keeping fit. You know, I, I say to patients, you know, we've we've had a gentleman who was 100 coming to our exercise classes and he didn't do an awful lot, but he he just loved it. And it was a social interaction. And, you know, we just have to keep moving because yes. if you don't move it, you lose it. And um, the idea that you can put your feet up after the age of 60 is that's long gone. You know, it's um, and it's you may not always enjoy it, but it's really important for your overall health. And you're going to receive so many benefits that it's that's what's going to keep you going. And Kirkness, I really appreciate your time and for your enthusiasm. And thank you for telling us about this very important service that is pretty much underutilized. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, David. Just a quick reminder as we wrap up to encourage you to register for the next webcast, where you can always catch a high quality lineup of speakers and topics that Health Ed has put together for you. HealthEd webcasts are carefully created to provide high quality video and audio so that you have the best possible learning experience. It's free, you get CPD points, and it's all delivered directly to the digital device of your choice, wherever you choose to be. Register now at healthed.com.au. You can claim RACGP CPD points for listening to this podcast using the self-claim option. Log into your account on the RACGP website, go to the CPD section and click on self-claim.